If you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to John, John chapter 14, John 14, verses 15 to 26. And following the reading of Scripture, we'll sing the Gloria Patri printed for you in your bulletin. John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And God will add this ble- his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. The Heidelberg Catechism has been taking us through the Apostles' Creed, and we've covered God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We've covered and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And today we cover uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, the charges laid against us, um, maybe our particular church, but certainly our denomination, Presbyterians, that we neglect the Holy Spirit. And they would say, well, one question on the Holy Spirit really is inadequate, and to some degree that may be true. But my charismatic friends would be very disappointed in this sermon <clears throat> because I am not going to tell you how to speak in tongues. And I am not going to tell you uh, to seek for the second blessing. Uh, If I have an aim, and I do have an aim, if my aim is I want you to embrace what you have and not try to get something that you don't need to get. And uh, hopefully that will become clear as we go along. It's not missing the Holy Spirit or neglecting the Holy Spirit to try to understand what the Bible teaches on his person and his work. And that's what uh, we're going to try to do today. Just as an overview before we get into that, one of the things that we can see as we read through the Bible, as we read through the, the New Testament in particular, is that we see that the, the Bible in the New Testament is a 
Christ-centered, cross-centered focus. And that's perfectly fitting with the person of the, the Holy Spirit because it's the work of the Holy Spirit to be a Christ-centered, uh, cross-centered focus. That's what his work is all about. Uh, turn, if you're still in John, uh, turn to John 16. Uh, John 16, verses 13 and 14. It says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And so if you are a Christian, if you have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are being led to delight in the work of his cross, if you are led, if it's part of your being, your attitude, your thoughts, that you want Christ to be honored beyond anything else, that you love him more than anything else, that he is the most important person in your life. If these things are true of you, then I can say categorically to you, the Holy Spirit is at work in you and you have the Holy Spirit. Because that's what his work is. His work is to point not to himself, but to point away from himself to Christ. That's his calling. That's his, his purpose. That's the work that he uh, has come to do. And the focus of our worship, the focus of our church, is, I hope, and needs to be on Christ and Christ alone. And if that is true, then we are a spirit-filled church. Now, we may not have the trappings that other churches pursue, but if Christ is foremost, then the spirit is in this place and his work is being done. And it's very important for us to appreciate that because there are so many pitfalls to wanting something else. So many discouragements, so many frustrations. So if, you, if your focus is on Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Don't go looking for it elsewhere. So this question and answer draws our attention to two things in particular. The person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the question, what do you believe concerning the Holy Ghost first? first part of the question is that he, the answer is that he is true and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not a principle of nature. He's a person. He's a person just like the Father is a person, like the Son is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And part of the nature of the triune God, there are one God, three persons, and the Holy Spirit has that character. That's what he is like. He's uh, perfect in the unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he has the qualities and characteristics of a person. And he shares in the deity and the godhood of 
the other members of the Trinity. For example, he's omnipresent. There is no place you can go to escape the presence of the Spirit. And David in Psalm 139, a psalm we love, says, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer, obviously, is there's nowhere. You can't go hide somewhere that the Spirit is not present and at work. And uh, so he's omnipresent. He's eternal. In our shorter catechism, we have the question, what is God? And the answer, it's a beautiful question, a beautiful answer. God is a spirit. There it's not thinking of the Holy Spirit. It's thinking of his nature as a spiritual being. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And then it continues on in some other uh, qualities and and, uh, attributes. Uh, The Holy Spirit is, because he's God, he's infinite, he's eternal, and unchangeable. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 9 is talking about how the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away your sin. And he brings it to a, a culmination of the point. He says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your consciences from acts that lead to death so that you may serve the living God. He's the eternal spirit. Uh, that's going to come up again very importantly in, in, a, in just a little bit. He knows the mind of God. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about who knows the mind of a man uh, uh, except the man's spirit within him. Who knows the, the thoughts of God except the spirit of God? The Holy Spirit being one in the triune God, he knows God's thoughts. He's delivering God's thoughts as the author of the word of God. He is communicating God's thoughts to God's people. Uh, Turn to Acts chapter 5. Very clear text explaining that the Holy Spirit is God. And it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They had sold some land and they brought the money to the apostles, but they held some money back. Uh, Not that that wasn't their right to do it, but because they wanted to look better in the eyes of the other people. And Peter confronts him. So it's Acts 5, verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. His lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Uh, there's a, a phrase that's parallel phrases that are used in Paul's letters. He talks about, are you not the temple of God who dwells in you? In another text, he'll say, are you not the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the temple of God and the temple of the Holy Spirit are used synonymously. They're uh, to demonstrate um, the, uh, the, the character of the Holy Spirit as God, as a person of God. He's very active along with the Father and the Son in our salvation. When Paul begins his letter, 
uh, excuse me, when Peter begins his first letter to the, 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 the elect who are scattered abroad, he says to them, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You have been sanctified by the work of the Spirit for, obe- for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. So each member of the triune God is active in our redemption and the Holy Spirit has his role. In one other text, just thinking about the person of God, the person of the Trinity, is the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name, it's singular, it's a singular name because there's only one God, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what you have there explained for us, or at least given to us, is this wonderful presentation of the, the equal dignity, glory, and honor among the, the members of the Trinity uh, they, they are all one God. There's one name. And yet they reveal themselves in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have the, the glory of the Holy Spirit in his deity, in his person. Uh, and the second thing the catechism answer gives us is his work. So it, the answer is secondly that he also he is also given to me to make me by a true faith partaker of Christ and all his benefits that he may comfort me and abide with me forever. Now the three benefits begin with being a partaker of Christ. So what comes before that is some preliminary introductory thoughts before he spells out the benefits that we we get from Christ. And one of the things that we see there is the Holy Spirit. He's not only the author of those benefits, but the Holy Spirit has been given to you. That's what he says, that he, that is the Holy Spirit, is given to me. It's, It's not something you have to purchase or buy or go get or coerce God into giving you. It's a gift that God has given to you if you know Christ. It's a gift that the Father has given you to dwell in you. Uh, in, In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that God anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Spirit has been given to us. It's a seal. It's a a deposit. It's a guarantee of God's care of us. He sends the uh, Spirit of adoption into our hearts, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit is given to you. It's part, he's the source of these benefits, and he's the gift that God the Father and God the Son have given to you. And the second kind of preliminary comment is that it is by faith that you're made a partaker of these things. Uh, There's no disconnect with the work of Christ. 
Just as we are justified by faith, we receive the benefits of the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. There is no blessing of God. There is no uh, treasure that comes from him that is in any way disconnected from faith in Christ. Faith is the means, it's the hand which we reach out to receive the benefits and the blessings of God. And so the Holy Spirit is given to you. He's the one at work in your heart. And he is um, always working in conjunction with faith. He gives you faith. So what are the three benefits? The first benefit is that you are made a partaker of Christ and all his benefits. The first work of the Holy Spirit in your heart is to unite you to Jesus Christ. And all that he accomplished, all that he uh, re- uh, received from the Father, all the benefits and the blessings of his work on the cross, all the benefits and blessing of him being our great high priest, all of those things are brought to us because the Holy Spirit does the work of uniting us to Christ and giving us all his benefits. It's the Spirit that does that. If you're united to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in your life. You don't have to doubt that. Uh, A second benefit is that he may comfort me. Uh, In the translation I read from John 14, it uses the word counselor. We know that the word paraclete is sometimes also translated advocate or helper. But here we'll retreat into the older translation, the King James Version, where it says, uh, refers to him as the comforter. I'll pray to the Father, Jesus said, and he'll give you another comforter, another paraclete. Um, But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the one that brings comfort to us. How does he do that? Happens in a number of different ways. He brings peace into your life. There are times when we are filled with anxiety over different things. We're worried and concerned about different things. And sometimes we bear that anxiety and we have to try to deal with it in one way or the other. But you know, there are times, I think all of you have experienced this, there are times in your life where you have this overwhelming event that's coming into your life and it's overwhelming in the the burden and the anxiety that it would bring to you. But in that moment, you have a great sense of calm. You have a great sense of peace because you know what's going to happen. Why do you have that calm or you have that peace? It's because of the Holy Spirit. That's an evidence of his work. He's the comforter. He's the one that's going to bring comfort and calmness and peace into your life. Especially at those times when you need it most. Sometimes he will bring you comfort through the word of God. Maybe you'll, all of a sudden, a a word of scripture will come to your mind. Maybe as you're reading it, a particular passage you've read a dozen times, all of a sudden there's something significant that's standing out to you in that. 
you will be going along in uh, perhaps a fearful situation and all of a sudden the word of God will come to you. Whoever trusts in me will never be ashamed. It's God speaking to you, not in an audible voice, but it's the Holy Spirit's work in bringing comfort to you through the word of God. Bringing those things to mind. It's an evidence of his work. The Holy Spirit will bring you comfort from your brothers and sisters here. There may be times in your life you feel alone, you feel kind of at wit's end, and perhaps on that day, someone you know will call you on the phone. Say, I was thinking about you today. And you don't have to say anything to them. You won't say anything to them. You probably can't say anything to them. But you will experience a sense of comfort and peace and hope because, and who is the cause of all that? It's the Holy Spirit. That's his work. He's bringing comfort to you. And even, dare I say, the conviction of sin is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now you say, that's not a very good thing. Kind of forget, could you just let that off for a minute? Conviction of sin is part of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because what if you never, ever were aware of your sin? then you would have to think God had abandoned you. That he wasn't reaching out to you. But it's the Holy Spirit, you see, who comes to you and he convicts you of sin because he's at work in your life to draw you back to Christ. That's part of his comfort. That's part of his work. And it's the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. The third benefit is that the Holy Spirit will be present with you forever. Uh, And in John 14, 16, which we read, the, the comforter that he may abide with you forever. When you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he will never not dwell in you. You can't get away from him. He will be with you forever. Part of the disappointment I see in some, some of my charismatic friends is they're, they feel like the Holy Spirit is only there when they're experiencing a high. I don't mean to be crass, but some of my friends, all they're looking for is the high. And when that doesn't happen, then they feel like the Holy Spirit is gone because you can't stay on a high. You will inevitably have disappointment. But the Holy Spirit is with you forever. When you're experiencing unbridled joy or when you're experiencing uh, discouragement, the Holy Spirit is with you forever. And you need to claim that. You need to embrace that truth. And know that he uh, is, is at work in you. May you and I find the help and the hope that there is in understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Drawing us to Christ. Working in us day by day. So that we might give 
praise and worship and thankfulness to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for his gracious work in us. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the abundance of your love. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Help us to grow in appreciating that, not in... uh, in, in the calmness of it, not in some sort of distorted way, but in the calmness and the, the abundance of understanding Christ, knowing Jesus, loving him, having in our hearts the, the union with Christ and the comfort and presence of the Spirit to be with us always. May you, O oh Lord, use his work uh, to strengthen us that day by day we might walk in hope and walk in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.